Happy New Year to you all on uh, 2023. That was great. Great to see you out. All these people coming out for first day of the year on this beautiful Sunday. So welcome to uh, Church of the Rock. So uh, how many people here make a New Year's resolution? A few of us, handful. And I have another question for you. Have you broken it yet? It's only 11 hours in, you still have some time, right? So uh, I would just encourage you to keep on trucking with that. It is so good. A lot of people, they have uh, New Year's resolutions that are regarding their body. You know, they want to, you know, get, get in shape or do whatever like that. And uh, that's actually what we're going to be talking about today. But it's not so much talking about uh, physical shape, although it does apply to our, our, our physical body as well. But it's about getting into uh, spiritual shape. So uh, I don't know if you noticed on the... Um, God's Gym is the title for today's uh, service, and that's a knockoff from uh, Gold's Gym. So Gold's Gym, and uh, who, who made Gold's Gym famous? Anybody know? Arnold Schwarzenegger, right? Here is a picture of him. Look at that guy with the Gold's Gym shirt. It is always kind of awe-inspiring to see that guy, and uh, it is great to, uh, to see him there. And you know why he is so famous? I'd say he's really famous, not so much because he was governor of California, although he was, not because he you know, married Maria Shriver, even though that's what he did, but he's famous to me for two reasons. One is, is those gigantic muscles, right? Like, who ever seen muscles like that? And the second is, is his one-liners from the Terminator movies. So who's got some of them out there? Who could, tell me one. I'll be back, and? Hasta la vista, baby, right? Those are the two big ones, right? When we think that. So, oh, all right, we're only going to stop at the two, though. I don't have time. I don't have time for more. And so, uh, so I'll be back, meaning he's going to come back, and hasta la vista in Spanish, meaning uh, goodbye, or maybe more correctly, good riddance. And actually, I want you to remember those two phrases, hasta la vista, baby, and I'll be back, as we'll be uh, referring to them a couple times through, this, uh, through the sermon today. And... Uh, I don't know if you ever wonder how uh, Arnold got to look like that back in the day. You know, sure, genetics had a part to play, like he had one in a million genetics. But if he wouldn't have done a couple of things, he would never look like that in a million years. The first thing is, is when he was competing, he was very careful about what he ate. No, you know, bad sugars, uh, no bad fats, all those types of things. And not surprisingly, he exercised like a wild man. Apparently, he worked out for five hours a day. So you too can look like Arnold Schwarzenegger if you eat right and work out for five hours a day and have a one in a million genetic code, you can look like that. Um, you know, there's billions and billions spent on exercise programs about getting into shape, but at the end of the day, the best thing that you can always do for yourself is two things. You can eat well and exercise. It always comes back to those two things. And that is the same thing is true in the natural that's true in the supernatural. So if we're to get into shape spiritually, to go to God's gym, we need to be careful what we nourish ourselves with, what we eat, and we need to exercise our faith. And this is the exact metaphor, actually, that Paul uses in 1 Timothy 4 about being godly. And this is what he says. He says, if you explain these things to the brothers and sisters, Timothy, you will be a worthy servant of Christ Jesus, one who is nourished by the message of faith and the good teaching you have followed. Do not waste your time arguing over godless ideas and old wives' tales. Instead, train, literally gymnasia, yourself to be godly. 
Physical training, gymnasia, is good, but training gymnasia for godliness is much better, promising benefits in this life and the life to come. This is a trustworthy saying, and everyone should accept it. This is why we work hard and continue to struggle, for our hope is in the living God, who is the Savior of all people, and particularly all believers. Teach these things and insist that everyone learn them. Say everyone. Everyone learn them. It is not just for the super spiritual Arnold Schwarzeneggers out there. It is for everyone. And I'm sure you noticed as you read that, that you could see that there's a real parallel about uh, getting into shape spiritually and getting into shape uh, physically. So these are the three E's of going to God's gym. It is first, eat well, nourished by good teaching, exercise your faith, and lastly, everybody on board. Um, so first Timothy, he tells his young protege, he says, you have to nourish, um, you have to be nourished by the message of faith. And literally the word there for nourish is the word fed. That like when uh, Jesus tells, um, uh, tells the disciples that the, that the father feeds the birds of the field. He is tell, using that exact word there that's used for nourish in the scripture that I had just read. And that the father feeds them and so he will feed us. And then he says this, he says, then he, then he tells us to train ourselves to be godly. And uh, as I mentioned, the word there for train is the word gymnasia, where we get our word gym from. And he tells him, and he tells Timothy also twice, he said, this is not just for you. This is for everybody, not just for the spiritual elites, the Billy Grahams of the world, but for all of us. So let's look at that first verse again. You will be a worthy servant of Christ Jesus, one who is nourished by the message of faith and the good teaching you have followed. Uh, notice how Paul, he equates um, being a worthy servant of Jesus with what he does. So with being nourished by the message of good faith and by teaching. Okay, I have a silly question for you. Is a salesman what is, uh, how does a salesman prove he's a salesman? He sells stuff. What does uh, a farmer do? He farms. What does a student do? They study. What if the uh, salesman stopped selling stuff? Would you still say he's a salesman? Probably not. Uh, you know what, I uh, used to be a farmer. I grew up on the farm, but I haven't farmed for decades. Guess what? I do not self-identify as a farmer because I'm no longer a farmer. And the same is true actually in our spiritual lives that we can actually pound out what we do by really underlining who we are as people. And we can really reinforce that. Uh, this actually works really well with my son. Uh, my wife is actually really great at this. She does not challenge my son's behavior on what he does. She instead challenges him about who he is, or, or I should say he reinf she reinforces. So when my son does good things, like when he's like he was drumming today, when he uh, goes to home group, when he reads his Bible, and he's good at all those things, that uh, see that that's what a man after God's own heart does. And do you see? Do you see the difference there? That the difference is he does not, she doesn't underline the behavior as she underlines the identity. That's what a man after God's own heart does. That's what a man of God does. That's what a woman of God does for the ladies out there. And that it makes all the difference when we think that way. 
And you might think to yourself, well, what should I do in particular? What should I nourish myself in particular? And it says there, it says that to nourish yourself with the message of faith and good teaching. And Paul, he actually uh, expands on this in another verse in uh, Philippians 4. And this is one of my favorite verses because I call this the uh, valley girl verse. It's the whatever verse. And this is how it goes. It says, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. So much freedom in what you can nourish yourself. Of course, it has to be good and right, but it could be music, it could be uh, the Word of God, it could be nature, it could be a million other things, uh, Bible study, service, all those types of things. And uh, we still, it still has to be good and right, but it makes such a huge uh, difference in our lives when we nourish ourselves in that way. And when you do those things, you think of your phone, you think you have a Bible there, you have uh, all these great resources that you can consume, that you can make your identity sure or cement your identity as a daughter or son of God. Uh, the second part of nourishing yourselves is what you don't eat. So uh, not eating junk food. Paul, after telling Timothy to nourish himself with the message of faith and good teaching, he says this, do not waste time arguing over godless ideas and old wives' tale. The NIV actually translates it's even more so saying, have nothing to do with it. Have nothing to do with godless ideas or, um, or uh, godless ideas. And you know, godless ideas, and um, they are like the chocolate bar soft drinks or chips to the spirit. They taste good going down, but they are terrible for you in the long run. You know, what is the secret actually to uh, uh, not eating junk food? You know what it is? It's actually get laziness working for you. And you might say, well, how can I get, la how does laziness work? Here, I'll give you an example. If uh, we have anything in the house that is sweet, yummy, bag of chips, sugary things, guess what I eat first? What do I eat, hon? I eat the chips, I eat the candy, it's just what I do. She has to hide stuff from me on occasion, which is what she does. And um, because if it's there, I promise you I'll eat it. But where I get laziness working for me is if we don't have any in the house and I'm hungry, what do I do? Well, I end up even having to eat an apple or I have to eat something, something healthy because that's all that's available to us. And uh, the parents of toddlers know that this is true for feeding them, right? For feeding those little cute little babies is if you have something sweet, you have something that they can see that they know is available to them, the little kids, they will just hunker down and say, I'm not going to eat that. Well, then what do you do? Well, you have no... Um, what you do is you don't even have that stuff around. You don't have it in your house. I promise you that kid will eat in the long run, 100% of the time, because they're hungry. And the same applies actually to our spiritual lives, that uh, they will, you, you will eat things eventually that are good for you if you kind of shut down the junk food train in your life. And uh, we live in a... We live in a world, right, of uh, old wives' tales and godless ideas, spiritual junk food. Um, 
you know, we call them conspiracy theories, fake news and the like, news that pushes you politically one way or another. And uh, with the advent of social media, we have all this stuff that is actually, that uh, kind of puts us in an echo chamber of whatever belief that we may have. And everybody that doesn't have those particular belief, uh, you know, is kind of voted off the island. And it is actually a real problem in our age. And I'll, and I'll sum up the uh, thing this way. Uh, social media, whatever else you think of social media's goals are, if from a business standpoint, it's very clear. To occupy your hearts and minds to addict you so that you will uh, spend as much time on their application so they get uh, advertising revenue. It's no more complicated than that. And uh, that, that, that is their goal. That, that is their business goal. But the problem is, is them occupying your heart and mind is actually the same uh, goal as the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God, what God wants to do in each and every one of us is for our hearts and minds to be occupied by his thoughts, for his will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so do you see the problem that that causes for us when we spend all this time on social media and the like? And to all of that, Paul says, have nothing to do with it. Do not waste your time. And Jesus, he's a great example of this. You know, he had uh, 12 followers. He had all the opportunity to engage in, uh, you know, the political debates of this day. He had one fellow, he had uh, Matthew, who was a tax collector who worked for the government. So you could kind of maybe, you know, pigeonhole him as kind of a left-wing person. And then on the other side of things, he had uh, uh, Judas, not Iscariot, and uh, he was a right-wing zealot. And uh, so guess what, God, guess what Jesus did with those two tensions? He ignored them. He had nothing to do with them. He, uh, he just was focused on the kingdom of God and uh, just whatever anybody else was saying, he didn't enter into it. A great example of that. So I just want to reiterate the thing that Matt talked about, the person who gave announcements, is uh, we have this thing going on, this media fast. And so I would really encourage you to do it because one of the ways actually to get a real power in uh, overcoming these things that occupy our hearts and minds that are not godly is to uh, fast from it because you are telling that thing, whatever it is, that it is not the most important thing in your life. And so just uh, saying cold turkey for a few weeks, so I hope you join for, with us as a church and do that. And so these spiritual junk foods, uh, they actually can ruin the best of our intentions. I remember this happened uh, several years ago, and uh, I'm, a, I'm a runner, love to run. I, I run through the winter, I run about 20, 30 miles a week, and, uh, and uh, all of that. And uh, my, uh, we were visiting my sister-in-law, and uh, my wife, uh, she was talking with her, and they were talking with each other. And I could tell they were talking about me and my running. So in my head, I thought this. I thought, honest to goodness, this. I thought, wow, they're really impressed by my running. They're really impressed that I, that I run. That's very impressive, right? And then, uh, the, and uh, so I asked son later, what, what are you guys uh, talking about? And uh, son's sister had told son, she said, boy, for a guy that runs 30 miles a week, he has a bit of a paunch. I, had, it was about, I was about 15 pounds heavier than I am now. And, uh, and I tell you, you have to eat a lot of junk food to have a paunch and to run 30 miles a week. I tell you, but I did it. And that is the God's honest truth. My wife's there laughing, as you can tell. And so we have to say no. We have to say, hasta la vista, baby, 
to eating media junk food all the time. And, uh, or in the, words, in the words of Arnold, we have to say, hasta la vista, baby. Okay, so just leave that on for a second, and I'm gonna get you to do a declaration for me, okay? And so you're gonna say, hasta la vista, baby, which of course means goodbye to it, okay? So here's the first statement. To binging a series of Netflix in one weekend. To scrolling Facebook or Instagram eight hours a day. To watching cable news until it makes you mad. There you go. And then once we have room in our hearts and in our minds, we will have room to be one who is nourished by the message of faith and good teaching. So that's the first thing about God's gym, is to nourish yourself with godly teaching, and the second is now to exercise your faith. Just to read part of our scripture today, it says, instead, and that's instead of eating spiritual garbage, train yourself to be godly. Physical training is good, but training for godliness is much better, promising benefits in this life and the life to come. This is literally God's gym. And the word there for training, gymnasium, gymnasia, as I mentioned before, that's where we get gymnasium. So he's using that kind of metaphor for us that we have to work at it, that we have to train ourselves to be godly. And I love this. Uh, for me, it's really been helpful because it actually puts exercise in its proper spot. Yeah, exercise is good, but I have something better, better for you, and that's godliness. Because godliness not only pays off now, but in the afterlife as well. And godliness is not about being holier than thou, but it is about someone's inner response to the things of God. That are, that's what we are to strive for, the changing of our heart. Um, you know, if you ever go to the gym or if you ever run, um, almost nobody likes working on your physical heart, commonly known as cardio, except for the runners out there. Uh, and working on your heart, both spiritually and physically, it takes some work. My uh, son, he used to uh, run cross country, and I saw this t-shirt around all the time, and it said this. It says, my sport is your sport's punishment. And I always laughed at that because that's exactly what it is, right? If somebody screws up playing basketball or volleyball, what do they tell them? Go do laps. And then that's the whole cross country sport, right? And so I always got a kick out of that. And, um, I, you know, as I mentioned, I, I, I run long distance. A huge part of that is cardio. And uh, over the last few years, though, uh, I've, uh, I've started to get a little bit slower. And now my son, he, uh, he harasses me about this. He says, uh, Daddy, he still calls me Daddy, even though he's 23. Daddy, um, why, do you, why are you training yourself to be slow? You just, uh, you keep running these long, slow distances. And uh, I, I told him this, I said, you know, I'm in my mid-50s. Um, this is just what happens to you when you get older, you get slower. This is, this is what happens. And then he told me this statement, and okay, you gotta listen carefully, okay? He said this to me, if you want to run faster, you have to run faster. <laughs> and I'm like, what the heck? I sent him to four years of his ed, spent tens of thousands of dollars for the gem. If you want to run faster, you have to run faster. But that's exactly what he said. And to me, initially, it seemed like the most unhelpful and obvious statement I've ever heard in my life. But I say it's actually very true. 
And what he meant for me to do was not just to go for these long, kind of endless runs, but to take some shorter runs and go at a faster pace. And then eventually, I would build up my pace in my longer runs. You know, I practiced this actually for the better part of uh, 2022. And my cardio, my heart muscle, it actually improved immensely. I was running times that I had not ran for five years. And uh, it wasn't my age after all. And uh, I had trained myself to run slow. And what is true in the natural is the same in the supernatural. Pastor Dave Wells, who uh, used to be the head of LifeLinks, the, uh, the network of churches that Church of the Rock is associated with, said these earth-shattering statements last time I heard him speak. If you want to pray more, pray more. And he said this, if you want to read your Bible more, read your Bible more. If you want to serve God, serve God more. And these are all self-evident, but they are true. Take prayer, for instance. Say you want to pray more. Apply the principle of praying for shorter bursts, even for a couple of minutes, but do it several times a day. I promise you that as you are applying these shorter bursts of prayer throughout the day, it will make an overall huge difference to your prayer life. This has happened for me just even in the last few weeks. So I recently downloaded this app called the Daily Prayer App. And it gives me notifications four times a day. Uh, morning prayer, uh, basically lunchtime prayer, evening prayer, nighttime prayer. And uh, it sends me a notification on my phone and it brings me through a five minute exercise. Very helpful to me. I love the structure and it doesn't expect me to pray for an hour at a time, but we always have five minutes, right? I always have five minutes during lunch or five minutes at the end of the day. I always can do it. It's made a huge uh, difference in my life. One of the, uh, one of the uh, disciplines that gets you to go through is solitude. And so, it brought me through this thing where you have two minutes of silence. So it counts down even for you, 120, 119, 118. And I go like this for a while. Look at the thing, like 75 seconds. What? I've only, I've only done it for 45 seconds. And like honestly, it felt like the longest two minutes of my life. But I had to start somewhere. I'm kind of a fidgety person. Like I kind of always feel like I have to be moving. I'm more of a prayer walk person than a still and be prayer person. But I can tell you that it has made a huge difference in my life, even those little two minutes to quieten my heart and mind before God, and it makes all the difference in the world. You know, certainly God gives us a new heart and a new spirit. And we love that verse, right? About God giving us new heart and new spirit. But that doesn't mean we don't have to do the work. There's this new book I came across by Greg Gifford, and it's Heart and Habits, How We Change for Good. And I love the illustration there because it starts with the heart, and then it changes our habits. And then as we change our habits, what happens? It changes our heart. And then as we change our heart, change our habits, and round and round it goes. But we have a responsibility to uh, do things. And uh, Paul, he tells uh, Timothy a couple of verses later. And to me, this is actually the actual things that you have to do to uh, increase your heart muscle. In the same way, you don't uh, get your heart pumping fast by like, you know, attaching like electric nodes to it or something. No, you get your heart going fast by moving your big muscles, your legs and your arms. And this is what Paul says in 1 Timothy 4.12. Be an example to all believers in what you say in the way you live, in your love, your faith, and your purity. Any of those five would be great things to focus on. And as you kind of exercise those things, 
Your heart muscle, your heart will change. G.K. Chesterton, who's one of my heroes of the faith in the early in the 20th century, he said this, he said, the Christian ideal has not been tried, sorry, the Christian ideal has not been tried and found wanting. It has been found difficult and left untried. You might say, I didn't know Christianity was so much work because it does require some effort. We need to have a crystal clear sense of why. Why do the things that are hard to do? Because it is hard to, uh, to love people, right? Sometimes people think it's easy. It's actually difficult, especially those that you're close to. Praying, being faithful, being pure. You know, from afar, those things, those ideals, uh, they can maybe seem unattainable. But when we set our heart upon them, it makes all the difference. But so it's so important that we know the why. And there's two ways to motivate people. You can motivate people with the stick, or you can mo motivate people with a carrot. And actually in scripture, we actually see two great examples of this for the same job. And the same job is building a wall with bricks. In the first one, in, uh, in the beginning part of Exodus, uh, God's people, of course, they're slaves to Pharaoh, and uh, they are uh, um, they are forced to build these huge uh, structures with with these bricks, and uh, and the Pharaoh's in a bad mood because. Um, because Moses is leading the slaves, the Israelites, out of the land. And so what he does is he punishes them and he, and he beats them. And uh, it says that uh, the slave, that Pharaoh's slave drivers literally beat the Israelite foremen. And they also yelled at them and saying, lazy, that's what you are, lazy, that's what he tells them. And you know, sometimes I think we motivate ourselves that way. We say, oh, I'm, uh, you know, I'm so lazy, I, uh, you know, I'm, uh, I, I'm whatever I am, I'm out of shape, why can't I get into shape? And we kind of yell at ourselves. And uh, we may not have somebody beating us, but we beat up ourselves. And uh, we sometimes give ourselves unrealistic goals, and then when we don't meet them, we throw them out the window. I think that's why so often uh, um, New Year's resolutions fail. And the sticks work, but only for a while. But motivation from the carrot is so much better. Because when we're trying to uh, uh, just yelling at ourselves, you know, we're, basically we're making bricks with no straw. It just becomes hard for us. Another story, and this is my favorite story, it happened about a thousand years later, is in the story of Nehemiah. And here the walls of Jerusalem are broken down. Nehemiah, of course, hears about it. He's in a pagan land. He goes to his boss, who happens to be the king, and in a great miracle, he asks the king, can I be released from my work? And not only can I be released from my work, can you provide the resources for me to rebuild the walls in Jerusalem? And miracle of miracles, he actually says yes. So anyway, he inspects the walls and all of them, sees that they're tumbled down, and then he starts to say some really inspirational things to the people. He tells the people he says he said Jerusalem lies in ruins so he doesn't he doesn't sugarcoat the story but what he does do is he tells them the gracious hand of God is on me the gracious hand of God is on me you see the story with Pharaoh and the story with Nehemiah they're actually uh, even though they end up doing the same thing the motivation is completely different Pharaoh tried to motivate by the stick Whereas uh, Nehemiah, he motivated by, no, by telling him that he is partnering with God and telling the people that, and that makes all the difference in the world. So when we exercise our faith, when we do those acts of faith, there is benefit, not only in the here and now, 
but there's also a benefit in heaven. And uh, you know, I became a Christian in my early 20s, and uh, you know, I knew that Christians went to heaven. I, I, I always knew that, I always, um, I always knew that that's what believed. What I didn't know was the great benefit in being a Christian in the here and now, the peace and love and joy that you get in the here and now. And that's what Jesus says, right, in John 10, 10, that he will give us life, life more abundantly. So there's a benefit to exercising our faith in the world but there's also one in heaven. And uh, I don't know what, uh, um, what the heaven benefit looks like, other than to say that it will be spectacular and it will last forever. But they, he does talk about the advantages of that. And then the last two things about exercising your faith is just to underline again that uh, partnership between us and God. So just to revisit uh, the Nehemiah story, it says, it says this in Nehemiah 2.20, the God of heaven will give us success. We as servants will start rebuilding. So who's doing the work in this thing? Is it God or the people? It's both, it's a partnership, right? It says the God of heaven will give us success, but we as servants need to start rebuilding. It reminds me of one of my favorite verses in Philippians 2. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you. Do you see that? So it's always that partnership. We have to work out our faith, but God is working in us. And when we are motivated that way, it says in Nehemiah 6.4, it says, so we rebuilt the walls till all of it reached half its height for the people worked with all their heart. And that's what actually what will get you to change, actually your bodies as well, but that will change our spirit when we have such an attitude. And uh, the last thing I want to talk about, about this piece is that it's about progress, not perfection. Uh, Paul tells uh, Timothy, just in a couple of verses after our verses, he says this, throw yourself into your tasks so that everyone will see your progress. Notice it's about your progress, not your perfection. What happens when you try to model perfection? You fail. I, I promise you fail. That's what scripture says, right? That all have sinned, right? None, everyone falls short of the glory of God. You know, don't compare your daily reel to somebody's highlight reel on Facebook. And, um, and it's so easy for us to do. And, uh, um, and it's actually so much better when we are uh, uh, training our, uh, for godliness rather than training our bodies. Because guess what? As you age, what happens? in your training. You get slower. So despite the fact I'm f a little bit faster than I was five years ago, I'm a lot slower than I was 10 years ago. Our bodies, they peak after we're 25. Hey, any amens from some people out there, from some of the older folks out there, right? And then it's all downhill after that. You know, I'm just trying to get even within 20 minutes of my times I did when I was 10, 15 years ago. And, uh, and this I also find out about my running is the older I get, the faster I used to be, right? That's some of your athletic <laughs> careers as well. And uh, training in godliness is so much better because we can actually get better with age. How many people know an older grandma or somebody that prays for hours a day, reads scripture hours a day, loves people? We probably know, know people like that. I know a grandpa in our church that does uh, new meals on wheels and prays all the time, uh, visits people in the, ho in the hospital. You can keep getting better. You know, I remember again when I was in my uh, early 20s when I became a Christian, I remember thinking to myself, and I had this honest to goodness thought, I looked at the Christians around me and I'm like, these people are a lot better people than me. 
And then I felt bad about myself. Do you see what I did there? I compared myself to other people instead of comparing myself to myself. Where was I last year? Where was I five years ago? Where was I 10 years ago? Those are the things that we should be actually looking to. So these are the things that we are gonna do, need to progress, is we're gonna need to use our big muscles to exercise our faith. So I uh, throw up this, uh, the next slide there. I'll be back. So again, this is your declaration time for this year, okay? So you'll say, I'll be back at the end of this. If you say it with a German accent, you get bonus points, okay? <laughs> Coming to church next weekend. Pray every day. Love everyone I come into contact with. Share my faith story every chance I get. Even if I mess up, I'll be back, right? In God's gym. You eat well and you avoid eating spiritual junk food. You exercise your faith every chance you get. And lastly, this is for everyone, not just for the super spiritual out there. It is for everyone. That's what Paul says. He says, teach these things and insist that everyone learn them. You know, you think about the, that everyone uh, piece, that uh, the Christmas story to me is a great example of it. You have... Uh, young people, you know, Mary and Joseph, likely teenagers. You have uh, uh, Zacharias and Elizabeth, older people doing their share, Anna, Simeon as well. You have, uh, uh, you know, people from other lands coming, the three wise men. And you have the good shepherds, you have these blue collar workers. You have all sorts of people involved in that story, doing what God wants them to do. Uh, just let me end with this quote. I love this quote from uh, Eric Liddell, who's a famous uh, Olympic runner. Don't necessarily uh, like reading uh, athlete autobiographies because usually they're super shallow, but this one is fantastic. And just listen to me as I read it because it talks about our discipline. It says, discipline is often tantamount to a curse in our culture today. We run and hide and would rather eat broccoli than have discipline in our lives. Even hated broccoli back then, that's good. But discipline is actually a good thing. With it, we will accomplish more than we ever thought possible and we'll move forward faster than without it. The disciplines allow us to place ourselves before God and he can transform it and transform us. And that is the crux of it. The disciplines, solitude, reading your Bible, loving, all those things, allow us to place ourselves before a holy God, and then he transforms us. So be transformed by saying hasta la vista to the media garbage out there. Exercise yourself, your faith, and say, I'll be back to regular prayer, to church, to solitude, and the like. And then I uh, end with this, and it's Paul at the end of uh, 1 Timothy. He admonishes his young protege, and he tells them this, but you, man of God, flee from all this and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness. Fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called. Please rise. You know, God can transform all of us. Most of us in this room have spent time in God's gym being transformed, but we need a start. Today could be your day. What could be a better day than the first day of 2023 to give your life to God and to enter into God's gym? So with nobody looking around, with everybody's eyes closed, 
Ed, does anybody want to start that journey today? Just slip up your hand. It's just between me and you and the Lord. Let's see your hand. See your hand. That is great. Now, I, I told you I wouldn't single anybody out. So let's all uh, pray this uh, together. Lord Jesus, I'm tired of living my life my own way, doing my own thing. Today it changes. I want to be a follower of Jesus. I want to live my life for you. Help me to go to God's gym, to be transformed by you. I commit to following you. In Jesus' name, amen.